welcome to Cows on the Couch from Life Stands Health. I'm Nikki Lianza, and I'm really excited to talk with Lynette Broom today, a registered dietitian who's going to help us understand eating disorders. So Lynette, welcome. Can you tell us a little bit about yourself? Yes, thank you so much for having me, Nikki. I'm happy to be here. Um, so just a little blurb about me, uh, Lynette Broom. I am located in Southern California, so I work in the North Orange County area. I am one of Life Stance's, I think I'm their only dietitian in California, which is kind of unique. Um, so I have the ability to connect with a lot of really cool therapeutic uh, minds and people within Life Stance. Um, and I specialize in eating disorders. So we'll kind of get into that in a little bit, uh, the different types of eating disorders, our spectrum of disordered eating to eating disorders. Um, and I, I work too quite a bit with uh, people of color and women of color in kind of um, bringing them into the fold of diagnosis and access to treatment um, and, and things along that line as well. So those are my hey, little no, areas. I definitely sound like you have lots of knowledge around this topic. I definitely appreciate that. Thank you. And so to kick us off, can we start by talking about the various types of eating disorders? Yeah, definitely. So we have some kind of like the big three, I would call it, uh, within eating disorders that people are pretty familiar with. Uh, so we have anorexia, anorexia nervosa, we have bulimia nervosa, and we have binge eating disorders, uh, abbreviated as BED. Um, so those are our big three that we know we have the most research about, we know the most about that often get the most diagnoses. Um, we have others though that um, are a little bit uh, more rare that we don't see as often, but things like PICA, uh, and things like ARFID, which is avoidant restrictive intake disorder. Um, and PICA, of, of course, is the uh, desire to eat non-nutritive substance, substances, um, but are categorized within that spectrum of eating disorders. So those are the big three that you're, people are most familiar with that we hear the most about. Um, with the ARFID, can you just tell us a wee bit more about that? Because I think the, out of the ones you're describing, most people probably are familiar with the other ones, but maybe not that the ARFID, I believe. Can you tell yeah. us about it? So, People with ARFID, uh, more times than not, they will uh, experience maybe significant weight loss and uh, maybe some malnutrition and or nutrient deficiencies, uh, but based around not necessarily the desire for weight loss or the desire or the, the fear um, that comes with anorexia nervosa of being very, or being overweight or what would be perceived to be overweight. So their uh, restriction is usually tied more to, it, it can sometimes be textural things. Sometimes it could be maybe some, some trauma or things that happened as a child or some negative experiences they had um, connected to food and intake uh, that are kind of more texture or uh, just other things connected to restricting food, not connected to uh, the fear of weight gain and the desire to be extremely thin that we see accompanied with anorexia nervosa. So the intention there um, is not the same, um, but we see some of the same manifestations with significant weight loss, uh, nutrition deficiencies, and things like that. So this isn't merely an individual who is just a picky eater. It sounds like it goes even more beyond that, especially if there's not nutrition happening. Yeah, definitely. So avoiding foods, sometimes groups of foods. Um, sometimes there's a correlation we've seen too with um, individuals that have diagnosis with autism too, with just wanting to avoid certain textures or um, color sometimes can be a thing for people. Um, so it's more in alignment with that than um, not wanting to gain weight or, or fear of waking. Got you, got you. Thank you. That, that's very helpful and exciting. Absolutely. Now, speaking of difference, you know, wanting to help people understand the difference between an eating disorder 
and you just started eating. So can you help mm. us understand that a little bit more? Yeah, absolutely. And so I know uh, for a lot of clinicians too, um, you know, as we're gaining more knowledge around eating disorders and it's just become more prevalent and just more discussed because it can still be very taboo just within the larger culture. And then just even within, um, you know, within one's own individual culture as well. Uh, we have more information kind of um, about eating disorders in general. Um, but you will know that well, we think about eating disorders, disorder eating kind of on a spectrum. And so with an eating disorder, we have clear kind of um, diagnostic uh, criteria for an eating disorder. So, you know, you're experiencing these certain symptoms for so many times a week over so many months. And then we have defining kind of criteria within each type of eating disorder versus disordered eating it doesn't cleanly fit necessarily into one of those diagnostic diagnostic criteria uh, with anorexia, bulimia, et cetera. Um, but there's, there are definite things kind of going on. And, and so what you'll see a lot of times is people that may, um, may weigh their food, may excessively count calories around their food. Um, orthorexia isn't an official diagnosis uh, yet within the DSM, but we see a lot of those uh, behaviors associated with orthorexia. Um, that we would yeah, yeah. So orthorexia, you see a lot of things um, with a lot of conversation or dialogue around, you know, very clean eating or um, pure purity around eating. There's, you know, lots of restriction that happens of t entire categories of food sometimes or um, kind of the obsession sometimes with organic eating, um, you know, very, very rigid. So lots of rigidity around time, around quantity, around calories. And so we find people that are ascribed to kind of this more orthorexic or could be defined as orthorexic. Um, we would definitely look at that as disordered eating. So it doesn't really fit cleanly, but definitely some, some things going on there um, just behavior wise. And it's making me think at times that I've worked with clients who maybe initially were coming in to get help with anxieties or depression, things like that. Yeah. And as we were continuing to meet with and, and talk about things that I, I would come to soon realize that there's would be truly what I would see as some disordered eating going on. And how was I like hidden in there that when I first met them, wasn't aware that those issues were coming about, but then really saw it kind of sneak in as I continued right. to, to meet with them. And do you find that that's something that you've navigated before or heard of? Yeah, definitely. And so a lot of our, our chronic dieters too would kind of fall in that disordered eating kind of space. Um, and so a lot of times clinicians, you, there'll be some shock sometimes where maybe it'll come up, you know, maybe they're coming into a two o'clock session and they haven't maybe eaten anything and maybe they're not able to maybe really be present and, and, and do the work and things like that. And maybe that comes out and you're like, wow, that doesn't, that doesn't feel, that doesn't feel like that's, um, you know, in alignment with, you know, just healthy eating or having a healthy relationship with food. Um, right. once you dig a little deeper, you're, you, there's a lot of connection to lots of other things. Um, tied to maybe why they're not eating um, or restricting if that's what they're experiencing. I, I think we can't have this conversation about eating disorders or disordered eating without bringing up just societal pressures or even looking at celebrities and their influence or social media. I, how do you go about guiding clients with, with navigating just those pressures? Yeah, yeah, definitely. So diet culture is is yeah. huge. And, and I think so much of what's happened as we continue to move forward is there's this feeling of wanting to be healthy, quote unquote, whatever that kind of means. Um, but just so much pressure and so much kind of um, focus uh, in, in defining now almost as 
dieting being a lifestyle thing. So that's like a big yeah. marketing thing now. So we yeah. have something like a Noom, which is huge, but their entire marketing ploys, this idea that we're doing, you know, CBT and, and this, these are lifestyle changes, you know, anything that's kind of requiring you to count and quantify and measure um, your food is, you know, that's just a diet kind of marketing, marketed in a different way. But a lot of that language has kind of been collapsed in with a diet and it's, it's very, it's very tricky and it's hard to navigate for people. For sure. You mentioned, I think you mentioned Noom. Yeah. Is that an app? I believe that's an app I've heard about. It. Yeah, it is. It do you is. know much more about the app? So it's, they do a lot. They do a lot of like real flowery language that it's kind of like, do you really have the professionals <laughs> in that structure that can really, you know what I mean? Um, yeah. Because these are treatment modalities from like licensed professionals that have a lot of experience, but they're right. throwing around words like CBT and, you know, lifestyle change and things like that. But essentially you are logging your food and, and the entire connection is that you know, you're not good as you are and you need to lose weight. I mean, if we're just being honest, that's yeah, no, we're being honest, you're right. That yeah. is the driving force of that. And that in itself is problematic. Um, that one has to change your size to have value. And so that's the crux of kind of what that, what that, it's a diet. You know what I mean? Yeah, it's no, a, and I appreciate your kids. Dressed up diet. <laughs> no, I, I think if you're going to, yeah, as a participate uh, in an application like that, also be mindful of like, you know that it's not a replacement for true like cognitive behavioral therapy and things no, like that no no but it sounds you know if to an untrained ear that oh this sounds great this is totally right. different this is not you know this right. is not a diet it absolutely is you are calorie restricting more or less you know and kind of masked as being mindful and there is a place for mindfulness within eating um but it's not counting calories and measuring and putting your weight in and things like that i hear you mm. i i think you would I think the beauty industry would topple if we all just knew that we are already good enough and beautiful enough and, and all that. I, I think if we had that message in, in, you know, organically, it would make such a big difference that we'd probably crumble that whole industry, you know? Yeah, so, yeah. and it's, it's, I mean, the basis of, of the diet industry is that people are not successful yeah. with the objective of being weight loss if, if you know, people were successful, quote unquote, right? right? Right. Um, cease to exist. So their business is built on people not being successful. Right, right. So isn't that interesting? And I, I hope this really opens the eyes up to a lot of our listeners and viewers to kind of think of it from that perspective, for sure. Definitely. definitely. But like you said, the bigger thing, you know, the silver lining in it all is, you know, your value is it, it should is not inherent in, in yeah. the size, the size of body you exist in in this world. Right, right, for sure. Mm -hmm. Now shifting gears a little bit, can you tell us a little bit about what is intuitive eating? Yeah, yeah. So actually two Southern California dietitians uh, were the ones that kind of coined this term. And uh, it's, it's just this, been this huge phenomenon. Most of our treatment centers in Southern California for eating disorders uh, really absorb that and use that in their treatment. And so it's this idea that, um, you know, no food, there's no such thing as good and bad food. You know, we have food for different reasons to nourish our body, uh, food for pleasure, um, you know, looking to value ourselves outside of our size, uh, looking in, in just even the, the language. So not exercise is so much as movement, joyful movement. What does that look like? Um, and so there's 10 kind of guiding principles around that. And it just allows people, um, just an alternative kind of, I guess, reality to diet culture, um, and really connecting to the fact that we naturally kind of start as intuitive eaters as children. And it's not until we have kind of external noise and influence that we start even questioning this idea of, of 
of hunger and fullness and body size and all of these things that diet culture kind of, you know, shoves on us. So yeah. really an alternative perspective um, and just mindset to, to, to dieting and diet culture. I, I love that. I love the idea of just joyful movement. You know, yeah. I think the idea of thinking of exercise, you know, it's like, ah, oh, the association with it of like, but when you say let's do just some joyful movement, I'm down for some joyful movement. That sounds amazing. Yeah, completely right? different, completely different mindset. Completely, and <laughs> yeah. it's movement, and ultimately it is exercise. But you know, you're doing it joyfully. You're wanting to do it. You know, yes. so I think yeah. what a great mind shift and mindset for sure. And it leaves space for every bodies and diverse bodies too. Yeah. When we talk about things as far as movement, so we think about people that have different abilities and different capacities um, to, yes. to, to move. So what does that mean to, to be inclusive of, of people that have uh, different capabilities too? Excellent point too. Very excellent point. Mm -hmm. Now, tell me what factors might inhibit some people from maybe seeking eating disorder treatment? Yeah. Yes, or even so. disordered eating treatment? Definitely. So I think, um, I think access is a big thing. So when you think about kind of access to resources, um, location is a big thing for a lot of people. So when we think about um, eating disorder treatment centers, uh, just location uh, for so many people. So um, for a, a lot of uh, people of color, unfortunately, that exists in maybe certain areas or certain neighborhoods, um, that access is not, there are not treatment centers necessarily um, location-wise that are accessible. Uh, and I think just a larger kind of understanding too, um, that it's still very taboo, uh, especially once you break down different within different cultures. Um, it's very taboo to have an eating disorder, to talk about food, different cultures talk about food and bodies differently. Um, and then I think too, just from a professional kind of perspective, um, just the underdiagnosing that, that happens. So, you know, seeing an eating disorder or our idea perhaps sometimes of an eating disorder looks a certain way. So somebody doesn't present um, even gender-wise, uh, certain way or certain right. look that we think an eating disorder is, uh, not even screening for that or looking for that. So um, that's significant. Mm -hmm. Great point for sure. Can you walk us through of how you might help your clients navigate, you know, their eating disorders or disordered eating, eating specifically of like what you had them do? Yeah. Uh, what was the second part? Oh, just what you, what you have them do. Like, how is it that you're supporting them? What do you have them do? Are you looking at certain, uh, are you looking at food and menu stuff? Or are you looking at just teaching them intuitive eating? Yeah. yeah so do? absolutely. So it depends on, uh, you know, kind of what point of the spectrum and treatment and things the individual is at. I think my general um, approach is, is similar with everyone. Um, I think you definitely have to come from it from a place of, you know, cultural competency yep. and understanding um, the yep. diversity of the, the, the individuals that uh, you, you will see that present with disordered eating or eating disorders. Um, but my treatment in general is the same. So we will talk about, we definitely talk about food. I talk about food more in a space of like a meal structure. Okay. And again, depending on where you're at, uh, as far as, um, if you are really deep in an eating disorder, that's going to look a little different. That may require a little bit more structure, depending on what type of eating disorder. Um, but generally speaking, we talk about things um, as a, you know a meal pattern, meal patterning. You know what is our patterning that we're having around food? Ah. And so I always tell people, I'm a dietitian, right? So I'm never going to tell you not to eat fruits and vegetables and things like that. That's not really the problem. Uh, it's more so exploring what is your relationship with food, what's your understanding of food, what is your okay. historical family understanding of food that you are dealing with. Uh, what will be sustainable? I think sustainability when I work with folks maybe that are on a disordered eating kind of space, 
um, because anyone can go online and find a meal plan, right? So it's not necessarily about that. It's about understanding your relationship with food, what will work for you, what's sustainable. Um, and I never take anything off the table. So I always say like I'm an addition dietitian, not subtraction. So whatever we're doing, we're going to add to what you're doing and enhance okay. it. We're never taking anything away. And I think that's really important. So I think a lot of the key, what I hear you saying is helping a person maybe change their maladaptive relationship with food. Absolutely. You know, even things that maybe they grew up with and just as a family dynamic of an unhealthy relationship with food. So I think what that's your main thing, looking at patterns and looking at how to change that relationship. It sounds like. Yeah. Yeah. So always starting there and then always starting from a place of positivity and self-love because right. how, how we don't, we can't hate ourselves into changing. So if that's right. our departure, uh, we're not, that doesn't feel good and we're not going to make any progress. So how do we start from a place that I'm good enough as I am, but there are some changes I'd like to make. Wonderful. Let's talk about what those look like. Um, and it's not going to be a, a calorie restricted, you know, diet where there's all these can't, can't, can't. It's like, no, what do we want to enhance? What do we, what can we add? And it's interesting because I think people do come from a perspective of like just feeling guilty or beating themselves up, like just really lacking self-compassion. So it sounds like what you're emphasizing of like being gentle with yourself, being compassionate with yourself. Absolutely. Absolutely. You know? So important for sure. Absolutely. Emphasizing the self-love as opposed to restriction and negativity. Absolutely. And so always starting there. And that takes, that takes uh, quite a bit of time. So a lot of times people think of a dietitian, like I'm coming to you. I want to accomplish X, or maybe it's, I want to lose X or, you know, whatever it may be. Um, and that, we don't get to that for maybe ever, <laughs> you know, cause that's not really what my, what my um, objective ever is with people. Man, what led you to be interested in becoming a dietitian? Yeah. So I have always, I'm, I mean, I'm a food person as most kind of dietitians are. Um, and I, I did uh, uh, in my nutrition degree, this is actually my second degree. So I knew I wanted to be a dietitian early on. I got a little scared when I saw the course load <laughs> with biochem and whatnot, but I came back around to it. I just love food. I love, I love what food's able to do. I love the connection. I think that's a big part too. So a lot of the work that I do with people too, is this idea that food is, uh, is connection. It's a social connection to people. It's a shared history with people. Um, it, food is, uh, should be happiness, you know, all these positive things that are associated with food. So I love this idea that food has the ability to kind of connect people. And yeah. it's, it's a cultural kind of story, if you will, at times, and um, just traveling really exposed that for me a, a quite a bit too. Um, and so that, that to me is, is really meaningful and really powerful. So I like to really try to bring that to my clients. Just, you know, bringing up uh, just traveling when you see how other cultures celebrate eating and taking their time with it and it's really a whole thing I think in our American society it's just something like just quick sustenance let's kind of shove it in and go and and so that kind of really fast forward food kind of like idea and and, and being Italian of Italian descent of like really looking at sitting down having the meal enjoying the meal enjoying the company of the meal is so key and just helping your relationship with food as that connection for sure. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And the takeaways you'd like to share with our listeners and our viewers about eating disorders or disordered eating? 
Yeah. So I think the biggest thing that, you know, is just so important for people to know is that eating disorder, there is no kind of poster child, if you will, for what an eating disorder looks like. And so a lot of times people that um, exist in different size body, bodies, maybe larger bodies sometimes are glossed over and not seen as, you know, well, you don't have an eating disorder or disordered yeah. eating because there's this idea of what it, what an eating disorder looks like. So really just opening our mind to what that looks like. Um, and again, you know, we, we're, the focus with food, unfortunately, so much in our culture is, is intrinsically tied at this point to the size of one's body. So really just kind of detaching that piece to, you know, how you exist in your body has nothing to do with what you eat or what you don't eat necessarily. Um, so I think those would be probably the two biggest things. There is no one look of an eating disorder and just really disassociating this idea of food and intake with one's body or body size. Love that. My gosh, Lynette, thank you so much for sharing all your knowledge on this topic. And I think your statements in, in helping us even shift our, our view of what disordered eating is, what eating disorders are, or just our relationship with food is just so key to help people maybe make those steps to change their, their own relationship with food and stuff like that. So I, I thank you again for coming on and educating Thank you so much for having me. Thank you very much.